The Lord Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and in that yearly rhythm of the catechism, the church is taking the instruction of the Lord Jesus and applying it to us. And we've seen how the focus, the first and most important focus of prayer is that God's name would be hallowed, that, that we recognize as we draw near to the Lord that the most important thing in the universe is that he be glorified and exalted, that we have been created to to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so as we come to the Lord in prayer, the attitude of prayer is very much, you give my life meaning. In fact, you are the meaning to my life. And so what I'm coming to you with is not my shopping list. It's not a a list of demands. But I'm asking what I'm asking. I'm praying what I'm praying for one reason and one reason alone, and that is that you would be glorified in my life. That's the overwhelming focus and desire of Christian prayer. And everything we say in prayer longs for that outcome. Hallowed be your name. And bound up in that, is your kingdom come, your will be done. As we come to the Lord in a groaning and corrupted fallen world, as we're surrounded by the smoking ruins of the kingdom of man, and we see the brokenness, the hurt of lives lived in a world ruled by the will of man. We see the pain, we see the conflict, the suffering, the brokenness, the death. We say, enough. Lord, change things for the glory of your name. Bring order and peace, prosperity, joy, love, and life. Bring them back. Change the world back to the way it was created to be. Drive history forward. Advance your kingdom till that day when Christ will finally triumph over the last of his enemies and death itself will be cast into the lake of fire. And Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father and you will be all in all. This is very much the cosmic and the glorious context of even the simplest prayers that we utter to God. I'm asking, Lord, I'm praying for your glory to be perfectly manifest in a perfectly renewed universe. And everything I'm asking you for is in service to that plan, to that goal, to that end point. And so we come to the petition that's before us this afternoon, the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. And the, as I've mentioned in past years, as we've run through the catechism together, that word daily bread in the scriptures, all the New Testament, the concept behind it is the concept of rations and provisions, the necessities of the day. So this is a very military kind of concept for that great battle of the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. We need supplies, we need provisions, we need rations. And so we're asking day by day for God to supply them for us. Now, you notice that the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray in the first person plural, not give me 
this day my daily bread, but he teaches us to pray together. Give us this day our daily bread because we need the supplies. Whatever we ask for, we ask for with a view to the advance of God's kingdom and the blessing and building up of God's church. We work as a team, as a unit. When, you, when, when in the military you work as a team or as a unit, that is a force multiplier. If you have 10 soldiers, each one running all over the place doing their own thing, they can do a certain amount of damage to the enemy. Put them together in a tightly um, functioning and cohesive unit, and they do far more together than they do alone. And so in the kingdom of heaven, in that great battle, that great cosmic battle in which we are engaged, there are no lone rangers. There are many gifts, but there's one body. And that applies not just to how we live in the communion of saints, it also applies to how the church fights its battles, that we do it together, that we ask for our needs as a body. And we ask the Lord for this day, our daily bread. And those are two times that it comes in the petition, the emphasis on today, daily, day by day, and this day. We ask for supplies for the day. And I think I've mentioned in past years, imagine a soldier going into battle and he wants to have a year's worth of provisions or he won't be able to fight very well because he'll be dragging this massive stack of stuff behind him. We ask for the daily rations, just what we need to get through the day. Now, that is hard to do. And that's kind of counterintuitive because especially people who are more organized, they say, well, I, I need to make sure I've, I've, I've got enough plan, not just for today, but for, for tomorrow and for next week and for next year and, and for my retirement. And certainly planning and careful stewardship uh, is part of the Christian life, and it is, a, it is a blessed thing to do and to be engaged in. So this is not a prayer that the Lord would make us irresponsible and that we would forget about stewardship. But it is a prayer that we would have the attitude of living day by day from God's grace and provision. That we live by faith. And you think about that, those of you who are married for many years and you look back at when you first got married, very few, I think, would have envisioned the life that God led you along and all the things that have happened during your married life. You get married, you're young, you often usually don't have a lot of resources. And you look ahead and you don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to guarantee that I'm going to keep my job, that I'm going to have a home or food or the necessities of life? And and if you think about that a lot, you start wondering, well, is it a good idea to get married early? Maybe, maybe let's each one of us save up for 10 or 15 years, and when we're established in life, and we've maybe paid off a house, and we're very, very set financially, and we can guarantee that we have enough, then we can get married and think about having children. And if you take that even further in a more worldly direction, you think of those who would say, well, let's save up for the house and the car and the kind of financial uh, underpinnings necessary so that we can be guaranteed a good life and winter holidays on the beach. And after that, then 
maybe think about kids, but only when we've got the money saved up for college and this and that and the other. Because if you look at what's coming, you say, well, can we afford children? Can we afford Christian education? Well, as I've said, if you ask older saints who look back on their lives, they can testify that God has led them often in surprising ways, but that he has never, ever let them down. That God certainly does provide, that God certainly does give grace and provision for the day. And that's the only way to live. Yes, good stewardship is part of the Christian life, but in the context of a simple, childlike dependence upon the provision that God gives. And so the Lord Jesus teaches us to do the right thing, just do the right thing. And to ask God to give us day by day what we need to do the right thing. We read that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so it's hard, it's counterintuitive, but this is what the Lord Jesus instructs us to do, to pray with that attitude. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the, the petition is, give us. We're, we're asking someone. Who are we asking? Well, we're asking our Father in heaven. That's who, to whom we are addressing our prayer. And he already knows what we need. And he is almighty, all-powerful. He holds the whole universe, the whole world in his hand. He is sovereign over every resource that exists, for he is the creator of all the provider of all, the governor of all. And he certainly knows how to provide. Have you ever seen at certain times of the year, you sometimes have hundreds, thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of birds, little or big, coming through a certain area, and they all alight somewhere, and somehow God has so ordained and organized his creation that there's enough food for all this massive amount of, of birds, and they find the food they need, and then they move on and fly to their next destination. If you had to organize that as a human being, where would you get so many tons of feed from? And yet God effortlessly provides it in the way that he has determined. And so God is certainly sovereign. He organizes the world, even though it's broken, in such a way that we can see how exquisitely designed systems are delivering the necessities of life to billions of all types of creatures all around the planet. It is a thing which makes you simply worship God for his glory and his providence and his creation. So that's who we're asking for our daily needs, our daily provision. We are asking God the Father, who has created the world, who governs it by his providence, who loves us with an eternal love on the Lord Jesus Christ as his own children, who wants us to have everything we need to serve him. And if that's who we're asking, does it make any sense to depend on anyone or anything but him? So what the Lord Jesus is doing in the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching us to go to the source, the only source that can provide what we need. Now think about this, children. Isn't that what you do when you want a glass of water? What do you do 
If you're thirsty, you want a glass of water, do you go to the electrical outlet and put your cup next to it and wait? Because no water, hopefully, no water's going to come out, and if it does, you shouldn't touch it. Do you put your glass under a light bulb and wait for water to fill it? Nothing's going to happen. Do you go outside and hold it up to the sky? Well, maybe if it's raining, but here in Alberta, unlikely for anything to fill that, uh, to fill that, that glass, for that glass to be filled with water anyway. What do you do? When you want to drink something, you go to where the source of drinking water is. You go to the tap and you open it. It's that simple. You go to where you know there is a source of pretty much unlimited drinking water. Isn't that amazing that we have that right in our houses? Well, that's pretty much how it works with prayer as well, brothers and sisters. We just go to the source. And all we need to do through prayer is open up the tap. What does, the, what does the apostle say? What does the scripture say? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Not, not some good gifts, not most good gifts. Every good gift. You want something good? You want something perfect? You need something? All of the good stuff, anything that you can imagine needing, it comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And one of the things that the devil most likes to do is to trip us up here so that we, we fail to go to the tap and open it. That we start wandering around looking for things to provide what we need. Looking for people to provide what we need. Looking for our plans and our projects to provide what we need. And Jesus says, no, that's not the attitude you need. You need to go to God. Always to God. First to God. Only to God. Before anything else, we go to God. And in dependence upon him and under his blessing, we work hard, we make our plans, we engage in good Christian stewardship, we labor faithfully, we live obediently, and we expect him to hear and answer our prayer and provide for us, usually through the means of, the ordinary means of our daily faithful labor. Now, this is how Jesus teaches us how to pray. This is the attitude of the heart in prayer that he's teaching us. But it's hard to pray this properly if our heart is somewhere else. And we read that in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If we're just dazzled by all the fancy, shiny things that are being hawked and and, and sold in Vanity Fair, if we're just overwhelmed by the treasures on earth and we're seeking to heap those up, if we're slaving away at our daily work and our investments trying hard to make sure that we don't have to depend on God's gracious daily provision because we can take care of ourselves, if we're pleading with lady luck at the casino or we're running after get-rich-quick schemes so that we don't have to depend on God. 
If that's what we're looking for, then it's hard to pray properly this prayer. And what Jesus is teaching us here is to, to be like little children. Just come to God with empty hands and say, Father in heaven, give us what we need because you know us. And you love us. In fact, you know our needs before we even ask. So please provide for us so that we can live in you, from you, and unto you. And that's, again, the key here. This prayer, give us this day our daily bread, has to be prayed in the context of the whole prayer, which begins with the glory of God and ends with the glory of God. That's why we're asking. That's what we're looking for. What we need so that God would be worshipped and praised and honored and glorified in our lives. Now, who gets to decide what we need? Who gets to decide what our daily bread, our daily provision, our daily rations are? Well, sometimes we have very strong opinions about what we need, and we're pretty clear with God about what we think. Sometimes other people have very strong opinions on what uh, we think we need. We may think we need health and wealth and nice clothes and a house and a great career and the list goes on. But when we come to God in prayer with this prayer, we have to be very careful. We have to be careful what we pray for because we're just giving everything over to God. We're saying, God, you decide. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you decide what we need. You decide and you give us exactly what we need to live for your glory, to participate in the advance of your kingdom, to submit to your will, to fulfill our callings. You decide. Now you remember David, the shepherd boy, was going to go out and fight Goliath, and everybody thought it was a real good idea that he be dressed in Saul's royal armor. That's what everybody thought, but they were wrong. Because God provided a few smooth stones and a shepherd boy's sling. And in that simplicity, David slew the giant. And God often does that. To magnify his glory, he often provides us with simplicity, with the bare minimum, to teach us to live in dependence on his strength and by his provision and to show his glory in our lives. And sometimes God provides less than the minimum. Sometimes God may decide that I need to be broken for his glory, that I need to suffer in body and mind, that I need to be broken financially and reduced to the bare necessities of life. And our prayer is a prayer of trust, a prayer of faith. Our prayer is, God, do whatever it takes. Give me not what I want, but what you decide, what you ordain. And we say together with 
The Proverbs, better is a dinner of vegetables, a dry crust where love is, than a fattened ox, a house full of feasting, and hatred or strife with it. You see, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and when we have a new heart that God has created in us, then our way of looking at value is radically different than the world's. And what the world sometimes most despises, we most value. And we trust that what God provides is what God has ordained for our good and his glory. And so that's why we pray what he teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, at the very deepest level, this is a prayer for Christ. Is he not the bread of heaven? What we're asking God for is give me Christ, and that is enough. More than all the riches and fame and honor and success in the world, more than all the glories and the treasures of this earth, fine, Lord, if, if you want to give me those things, that's your decision, but then help me use them for your glory and for your kingdom. But I'm not asking for them because I don't need them. They're too dangerous. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's so easy for my head to be turned and my heart to be turned aside and to seek with those things my glory and my kingdom and my will. But what I want, God, is you. What I need is Christ the bread of heaven. Feed me with Christ. Fill me with Christ. Satisfy me with Christ. Nourish my hungry and thirsty soul with Christ. Now think about the Lord Jesus. That's how he lived. In total dependence on God's provision, he was born into poverty in the poor region of Israel. He worked hard with his dad as soon as he was able, until he was around 30 years old, he just went out and worked with his hands for his daily bread. And when he started his ministry, he had no place to lay his head. He had no wealth or earthly possessions to speak of. But he simply asked, and the Father gave him just enough for each day. And when there were lots of people, the father multiplied the provisions. The father gave him enough to seek the kingdom and the power and the glory. The father gave him enough to destroy the powers of darkness, sin and death, and to bring about the resurrection and the life and the new heavens and the new earth. And he did it not with all kinds of glorious riches of silver and gold and massive armies and all kinds of resources. He did it by living a simple, humble life of daily obedience, expecting and receiving from the father his daily needs his daily bread, and he was content with that. So as we pray this prayer, what we're praying for is Christ, and what we're praying for is the contentment of Christ. Lord, give me that contentment. 
Lord, teach me in whatever situation I am to be content to know how to be brought low and to know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Teach me the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Teach me, God, so that I can do all things through him who strengthens me, all things through him who provides for me food for the journey and strength for the way. Now, I chose those words deliberately, food for the journey and strength for the way. We are not little hamsters in a hamster wheel saying, Lord, give us the next pellet of ration as we just scurry around getting nowhere. The kingdom is coming. It is advancing. It is growing. It is filling the world. And it has an end point. The journey and the way has a destination. The time is coming, and it is coming soon, when the battle will be over, and the kingdom has come, and God's name is perfectly hallowed, and nothing and no one who acts against God's will exists anymore. The day is coming when there is a new world, and there is no night, just eternal day in the sunshine of God's love. And think about that. If we're in the eternal day, there's no more night. If we're in the eternal day, what does this prayer look like? Give us this day our daily bread, our bread for the day. If the day is infinite, if the day is eternal, then the supply is infinite and the supply is eternal and our cup overflows and we feast on the abundance of the Father's house in perfect love and Jesus drinks the wine new with us in the kingdom of heaven. There's no more rationing. There's no more suffering. There's no more privation. But there's just the overwhelming and abundant joy of the life that never ends. All the riches, all the greatest treasures and the cares of this world are just swept away. And we come face to face with the greatest treasure of our soul, with Jesus himself. And he invites us as we enter into the infinite riches and glory of the children of the living God. Amen.